He's back. Did you miss him? Saturn comes out of retrograde on November 4th. Next on Horoscope Highlights. Hi there and welcome. This is Amanda, the founder of Astrology Hub, and you're listening to our week ahead snapshot with world-class astrologer, historian, and author of the Cosmic Calendar, Christopher Renstrom. This show is designed to give you a quick overview of the week ahead, enabling you the gift of choice in how you navigate and weave these energies into your daily life. Enjoy. Hey all, this is Rick Levine, and I'm inviting you to join me in a new class on the Astrology Hub starting mid-November, starting November 14th. And this is going to be four Zoom classes of live chart interpretation, focusing on bringing the harmonic aspects down to earth. So we're going to step beyond the squares and trines and sextiles and oppositions into the magical world of quintiles, septiles, and even octiles and other strange tiles. Find out more information about this and or register at astrologyhub.com slash harmonics. I'm Rick Levine, and I'll see you online. Hello, my name is Christopher Renstrom, and I'm your weekly horoscope columnist here on Astrology Hub. And this week, I wanted to talk to you about Saturn coming out of retrograde on November 4th. But before I do, did you know that you could read about your planetary transits by subscribing to my weekly newsletter? Go to astrologyhub.com slash horoscope to subscribe. Once again, that's astrologyhub.com slash horoscope to subscribe to my weekly newsletter. Now, let's go talk about that planet of tests and trials and tribulations coming out of retrograde on November 4th. Planets coming out of retrograde are a much-anticipated event for astrologers. Basically, it signals that life is returning to normal. When a planet turns retrograde, and all planets turn retrograde, with the exception of the sun and moon, which are regarded as luminaries, when a planet turns retrograde, it basically reverses its motion or direction in the nighttime sky. And instead of behaving in the way that it usually behaves, when it's reversed direction or done in about face, it behaves in the opposite way that we're used to it behaving. For instance, let's take Mercury. Mercury retrogrades are pretty famous. Mercury is the planet of uh, buying and selling. It's the planet of messages, and it's the planet of communications. So when Mercury is moving forward in the sky, messages are trustworthy. Communications are coherent, and buying and selling and all kinds of deals and purchases can go off without a hitch. That's the general understanding of what takes place when Mercury is moving forward or direct in the sky. However, when Mercury turns retrograde, that means that communications are garbled, uh, understanding is confused, buying and selling is interrupted, delayed. There can be a feeling of being had or cheated or deceived. So Mercury is basically acting in the way that's opposite to its normal behavior. Instead of bringing people together on a deal and making seller and customer both happy about the transaction to, that took place, Mercury retrograde, 
is a time when usually the customer is angry at the seller or the seller is regretting that they uh, let a product go at such a cheap and low price. Okay, so so Mercury Retrograde will throw a monkey wrench uh, into the smooth dealings of your day-to-day life. So that's why when Mercury comes out of retrograde, for instance, we're all very happy. We can get back to business. We can get back to life as normal. Uh, just like when uh, Venus comes out of retrograde, instead of dealing with all this feuding and fighting and nastiness that goes on, this breaking of troths and uh, pledges and promises, there's a return of credibility. People can be believed again, and this is a good thing. Now, obviously, this isn't how life works. <laughs> um, it would be wonderful if we could enjoy uh, uh, peace-loving periods when Venus is direct and uh, smooth transactions when Mercury is direct, but we all know that that's not always the case. And that's because in addition to uh, direct motions and retrograde motions in the sky, you have little things like oppositions and squares and quincunxes and semi-sextiles taking place with the aforementioned planets in their relationship to the other planets in the sky. It's a crowded sky, and astrologers are here to help you understand it. So, Saturn is coming out of retrograde on November 4th. Now, Saturn retrograde is actually one of the few retrogrades that sort of get people excited and maybe even a bit happy. That's because Saturn is the planet of tests, trials, and tribulations. Saturn is the planet that if it can make something hard, well, then that's not good enough. It needs to make it harder, okay? So um, if you uh, do uh, 50 pull-ups, Saturn is like, okay, that's great. You did 50 pull-ups. Now let's raise the bar and let's see you do 100. Okay, so Saturn is always making things more difficult. Uh, in the name or the service of raising the bar. Uh, So when Saturn is retrograde, what we're supposed to, uh, what some people believe is that we're supposed to enjoy a period in which maybe tests aren't so bad and the trials and the tribulations are a little bit more of a soft pitch. And to some degree, that does happen. There is a kind of laxity that uh, takes place in the heavens when Saturn turns retrograde. But that kind of laxity isn't always good. Saturn retrograde, I've seen in working out horoscope predictions or working with people's charts, can actually bring at times a sort of complacency, a sort of complicity, a lowering of the defenses, a lowering of the walls a lowering of the standards, and it's not always good. But for the most part, there is a kind of feeling of relief or of respite when Saturn is retrograde, and that can be one of the benefits or one of the good things that's associated with this planet's reverse motion. But Saturn is, well, Saturn's a fascinating figure, actually. I mean, I was going to go ahead and say something, but I'm actually going to correct myself. Actually, I'm not going to say something, and I'm going to move on to this idea. Saturn is a very intriguing planet. It's a planet that brings up a lot of fear and anxiety with people. People will often say, like, Saturn, return. Please tell me all about it. What does that mean? Or Saturn's having in my sign right now. Does that mean, like, I might as well go to bed and put a pillow over my head for the next two and a half years? You know, where Saturn has really been eating my lunch, Christopher, for the past X amount of months. When does it let up? 
Okay. So Saturn has this reputation for, for being really difficult and for being really unyielding. And, um, and, and, and people are always very nervous, always very anxious when, when Saturn comes around to a particular angle uh, in their horoscope. But at the same time, what's fascinating about Saturn is that everyone's fascinated by Saturn. You know, uh, people may decry Saturn. They may like curse Saturn. They may blame Saturn. Uh, they may like live in fear and trembling of Saturn, like Sharon Kierkegaard. But um, what it is, is that there's also this intrigue. And it's a little bit more than driving by an accident and not being able to peel your eyes away from it. There's an intrigue. It's like, how exactly is it going to hit? Or what's really going to happen? How hard is it going to be? But then there's also this feeling of like, almost like, what lesson will I learn? What, what area of life am I going to find out about? It's almost as if Saturn is assigned a kind of profundity, a kind of depth, a kind of meaning. And these are things that we know that happen as we endure life's trials, tests, and tribulations. Nobody wants to. You know, I'm, I, I, I'm certainly not going to say like, you know, buck up and take on the next trial and tribulation. It's good for you. Builds character. I'm not going to do that. But there is at the same time this feeling that there's something profound about the experience, that there's something meaningful about the experience, that, that having faced the test, the trial and the tribulation and made your way through it, it's a testament to perseverance. It's a testament to perhaps belief in yourself it may even be a testament to desperation and the great feeling of triumph of having gotten to the other side. So a lot of times when I talk about Saturn, whether it's an aspect or coming out of retrograde, like it is on November 4th, I will ask clients to sort of reflect upon their relationship to teaching. More importantly, I will ask clients to reflect upon their relationship to learning. How do you learn? Now, we all know that tests test how much we've learned, you know, and is one's way of learning to sort of laugh it off and, or, or, or put it off or postpone it or to be absorbed by other things. And then when the big day of the test, or, test arrives to stay up late at night and, and to cram and, and to put all that information into your mind to, so that you can sit the following day and apply it to the test. You know, um, does uh, taking a test mean cheating, uh, finding out the answers? Uh, it used to be looking at a neighbor's paper, but nowadays it seems to be downloading things on the internet. Uh, so does a test mean cheating? Does the test mean um, avoiding? Like, I can't take this test. It's too much anxiety and going to call in sick. You know, so how do we respond to tests? How do we respond to learning? You know, if we don't learn as fast as others, does that make it us angry at ourselves? Do we lash out at ourselves? Do we berate ourselves? Um, do we blame the teacher? Do we blame the curriculum? Uh, do we look around for someone to blame? Um, <laughs> so, you know, look at your relationship to tests and reflect upon your relationship to learning. Uh, whenever Saturn becomes prominent by aspect or by a change of its disposition, which is what happens when it comes out of uh, retrograde. 
Saturn will always test. That's its mission in astrology. Saturn will always be the authority figure that you are afraid of, uh, feel overlooked by, feel um, like the authority figure is perhaps disappointed in you or doesn't let you be you or recognize your talents. You know, Saturn is bad dad. Okay. It's, 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 it's the planet that um, we, we blame and, 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 and it's spoiling all of our fun and it's making life harder than, than necessary and we feel unloved and we feel unsupported and all these sorts of things. But what often happens with bad dads is that when there's a flat tire in the middle of the night or when you run into trouble or when uh, things aren't going your way and, and, and you're feeling awful or, or, or afraid, you turn to dad in those moments, you know, you, you turn to the dad that you, you know, oh, doesn't understand me, you know, and, and, and you call for help. And oftentimes, uh, dad comes through. And in that same vein, oftentimes, Saturn comes through. Saturn, as you know, from previous episodes where I've talked about him, um, or you may even know this from astrology or Greek mythology, Saturn was given the unenviable task of splitting heaven from Earth and uh, coming between the two of them. Basically, the way that it's kind of described in Hesiod is that with the sky pressing so heavily down on Earth, there was no room to breathe. There was no room to grow. It was almost like a cosmic suffocating embrace. And so Saturn was given the unenviable task of castrating Father Sky and coming between Sky and Earth and pushing uh, Father Sky into the realm of eternity and pushing Earth down into the mortal coil. And Saturn then became time. Um, uh, his uh, Greek name is Kronos. Uh, his uh, Roman name is Saturn. And uh, Saturn was seen as the god of time, and time comes into existence when it separates eternity from the earth, okay? So basically, we all live within time. And if you're familiar with the Chaldean order of the planets, Saturn is at the highest of the uh, seven spheres, uh, followed by Jupiter, and then it's Mars, uh, and then it's the sun, it's Venus, it's Mercury, and Moon, and I hope I got that right. I'm pretty sure I did. Okay, so Saturn was seen as the highest, the most uh, remote of all the planets, but it was seen also as the highest of the orbs. So Saturn ruled over seventh heaven, and seventh heaven uh, was a place actually of ecstasy, um, where it's you you know what when you're very happy or elated, you're you know uh, you say I'm in seventh heaven over this. So Saturn has always had this very curious relationship of being the planet of test trials and tribulations, but also a planet that's associated to elation, to elevation, to joy, being in seventh heaven. So um, Saturn then, after uh, he separates uh, Earth from sky, uh, it's prophesied that, he, that one of his children will overthrow him. So as his wife, Queen Rhea, gives birth to every child, every child he swallows and they go down into his stomach. And, uh, you know, you may know that from the Goya painting where it shows Saturn like one of the zombies at Night of the Living Dead, you know, where they were given chicken pieces like, you know, feasting, <laughs> you know, and 
and and so it's not ripping apart you know this this the smaller you know uh, body um no what saturn did was actually eat uh, consume actually what saturn did was sort of pitch each one of his uh, children like a little pez or 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 breath mint uh down into his throat and they went and what landed plop into the belly of saturn and there they resided until they would be freed one day and they were freed one day by zeus Jupiter, uh, his Roman name, and Jupiter, the god of benevolence, the god of prosperity, the god of good luck and higher purpose. This is the uh, planet. Uh, uh, this is the god that the planet is named after, or named for in astrology. And so Jupiter, by liberating his brothers and sisters and setting up a better government than the one that uh, Saturn had set up, and by putting down anyone who would rebel or overthrow it. Um, so Jupiter sort of sets up Mount Olympus and he sets up the present era that we still pretty much live in. Okay, so Saturn was defeated in a battle, battle of the heavens, uh, that Jupiter waged on one side with his siblings and Saturn on the other side with the Titans. And Saturn, as predicted, lost. And uh, Jupiter overthrew Saturn. And then became the question, what do you do with the god who's overthrown. I mean, with Uranus, it was easy. Saturn castrated him then and, and moved him into the realm of eternity. So, so, and and Saturn then sort of encircled the world in a in a kind of Ouroboros. Um, he encircled the world in time. So this became like a fortified wall against eternity uh, that held eternity out and held. Um, the cycle of birth, life, death, birth, life, death, birth, life, death within. Okay, we are all basically, even though the children were liberated, uh, metaphorically speaking, at least, we are all living in the belly of Saturn. We are all living in the belly of time. So you can overthrow a god, okay, and, and this is exactly what uh, Jupiter does to his father Saturn. He overthrows him, but you can't kill an immortal god, and, and you can't kill time. I mean, maybe if you're waiting for a bus to come by or something, one kills time, but, you know, you can't really kill time. And so, what do you do with him? What do you do with the old man? And so that became the big question. And so the Greeks kind of like, eh, uh, Zeus sent him to uh, Zeus sent him to the Isle of the Blessed uh, Spirits, uh, where he drinks a kind of like honey-like uh, 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 potion or beverage, and he sleeps all day. You know, uh, taking in the breezes off the ocean. I mean, it always reminded me of like Jupiter sent Saturn down to florida or something like this where he you know could lie in the beach and just sort of enjoy the waves and the and the and the wind and 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 spend the rest of his time and so that's basically the fate of saturn um in 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 greek mythology um the romans had a different idea and i think a very wonderful one one that i really like well one that actually had legs because um out of the roman depiction of saturn you really get this side of Saturn that becomes very popular in the medieval and the Renaissance period and is still, to some degree, accessed today by astrologers in their interpretation of the planet. The Romans um, worshipped Saturn as the god of agriculture um, because Saturn had the scythe, okay? Um, his mother Gaia gave him the scythe to constrain his father. That was the original 
uh, purpose of the scythe, but the scythe is also used by farmers to harvest crops. And then later on with the Black Plague in the 13th century, you really see the association of death with the scythe who, who um, you know, cuts down everyone in their prime, regardless of being a peasant, a pope, or a king, because this is the Black Plague, and the Black Plague uh, even, uh, leveled the playing field in Europe, and I think it wiped out something like a quarter or a third of the world's population. Um, so, so, but, but that image of death on the side, that comes later on. That's like 13th, 14th century. But um, earlier, in, in, back in Rome, um, Saturn is the god of agriculture, and so he harvests. And so, of course, it made sense to the Romans that, well, if he's harvesting, he has to have planted something. And so it was Saturn that was given the um, job of agriculture. It's Saturn that's given the patronage of agriculture. Saturn becomes the god or the planet of farmers, of people who toil, of people who work the earth, all right? And anyone who has any, even the most passing familiarity with farming knows that farming is a very hard job. It's a very difficult and it's a very tedious job. And you could work very, very hard for, for uh, uh, a number of years. You can maybe even, you know, sort of be uh, confident that I'm on an agricultural cycle in which I can expect things to uh, uh, bloom and, 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 and grow and I'm going to harvest. But then you might hit um, a drought in which things get very difficult and things um, are, are very pressing. Uh, droughts are very difficult nowadays, but back in ancient times, droughts could destroy a society. Famine could destroy a society. That's why famine is regarded as one of the four horsemen of the apocalypse. Um, so uh, it, I, I believe they are uh, death, war, pestilence, and famine. Okay, so so there they are. So, uh, but famine was one of the four horsemen of of the apocalypse. So, so human beings, uh, whether they're Greeks or whether they're Romans, their relationship to the gods was kind of iffy, especially back in ancient Greece. You know, the gods enjoyed humankind and would frolic among them and maybe even sleep with them. But humankind was basically, you know, treated as less than a slave as far as the Greek pantheon was, was concerned. And so what happened, um, you know, uh, Zeus would, you know, sleep with whoever downstairs or, or Mars would, uh, you know, stir up wars and, and, and combat to, his, to satisfy his bloodlust, you know. But what Saturn did, especially in the Roman telling of the story, Saturn took, Saturn sympathized with mankind. I mean, Saturn had been overthrown, had been humiliated, had Failed, had had fallen from heaven, you know, and and mankind, you know, although created through divine agency, was basically treated like you know, as I said, less than a slave or even cattle, you know, as as as, as something that you know it was they needed to worship the gods, and it was pretty much a one way relationship. So Saturn is the one god who's not an Olympian. An Olympian is reference to gods who reside on Mount Olympus under the governorship of Jupiter or Zeus. Saturn is the one god who actually feels for the plight of, of humanity. Um, but it's not sort of like a feel for the plight of humanity, 
you know, and, and let me walk amongst you and put coins in your baskets. No, um, Saturn, Saturn identifies almost like with humanity. And so he teaches humanity, humankind to farm, to, to work the soil and to produce good things, you know, and at first it's produce good things like, like food. And so you eat and, and, and you have cattle and, and so they graze. But to Saturn was also given uh, the responsibility of producing civilization. Okay, Saturn teaches humankind to to grow and 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 cattle and agriculture, but Saturn also teaches humankind to build, to create cities, you know, to to create civilization. So so these are the gifts that especially according to the Roman telling, this gets more elaborated upon in the Renaissance. These are the gifts of Saturn. And, and, and Saturn was because it was the old decrepit god. Um, the gifts of Saturn were seen in the great monuments of, of, of ancient times. For instance, by the time the Greeks come around, the pyramids have been around for centuries. You know, and the Greeks often would go and visit Egypt and just stare and wonder at these extraordinary pyramids. And so they knew that there was a previous civilization. They knew there was a previous time, perhaps even a golden age, where, where, where the accomplishments were extraordinary and the people were beautiful and the gifts of civilization were celebrated. Okay, so so this was all associated to Saturn. Saturn was also the uh, god, and now we're moving into the planet and astrology. Um, if you look at the older astrological texts, Saturn rules over past civilizations, um, and and but as time goes on, as time goes on, and Saturn is time. As time goes on, the past civilizations aren't invulnerable. They're not um, as resplendent. They're not as glorious. In fact, we know of past civilizations because they lie in ruins. And so Saturn represented, it came to symbolize that ruination eventually um, will visit all civilizations, um, but ruins are also a testament to more beautiful times, more more glorious days, more more astonishing accomplishments. So there was also so there was this kind of uh, association with Saturn of the fear of of being ruined. You know that could be scandalized, like you know I'm a ruined woman. You know, but but ruined, I'm financially ruined, um, or my uh, reputation has been ruined. Uh, my fortunes uh, lay in shambles; they've been ruined. So. So Saturn was the agency of ruination, but Saturn was also the breathtaking respect and awe that we looked upon ruins. Look at what came before. Look at these extraordinary accomplishments. Look at these teachings and learnings um, and books and scrolls that have been, uh, or steelies that have been, uh, I love the word steely. <laughs> Uh, steelies were, uh, were, were, uh, were stones that were set up that would list the laws and, and maybe show what would happen if you didn't follow them, like vultures would, would eat your body or something like that. Steelies were set up around different civilizations. But, um, but 
but but these uh, legacies, right? These things have been passed down, and so Saturn was also associate, associated to education, you know, but not temporal education or not um, on-the-job training type of education. It was education that, you know, we need to pass down our history. We need to pass down our literature. Um, we need to pass down our culture. You know, all things that kids in school are like, why do I have to learn history? Why do I have to read this book? Why do I have to, you know, and, and everyone's like, well, you don't have to learn those things. Learn mathematics and sciences and go and do those things. And, and certainly Saturn had an association with mathematics and sciences, but not to the detriment of history and literature and civics and philosophy, those things that really make a person whole. All right. So, so Saturn ruled over those things. Saturn, as time went on, because Saturn was seen as a dim light in the sky, an old and, and, and forgotten god, um, as a slow planet in the sky, as, as enfeebled and, 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 and taking forever to get to the point. So as time went on, Saturn came to be the patron planet of the elderly. Saturn came to be the patron planet of the infirm. Saturn came to be the patron planet of those who toil without rest. And Saturn came to be the patron planet of the outcast, whether it was an oppressed people or a fugitive or someone who was once great, but now they're ruined and no one wants to talk to him or her anymore. So Saturn was their patron saint. Uh, well, Saturn was their patron planet, their, their patron saint. Let's go ahead and say it. That's exactly what Saturn was. Uh, my Catholicism came out there. Um, but, but Saturn was their patron, their sponsor, their guardian. Saturn was, in turn, you know, if you follow this, this, th these ideas that I'm introducing to you, Saturn was also, in turn, the planet of slaves. Slaves were people... Slavery has a very intricate and um, uh, uh, nuanced history. It has a very intricate and, and changing history. Here in the United States, we're used to um, the slave economy that this country was built upon and what happened when that changed. And we are still dealing with, uh, grappling with uh, the idea that every person in this country um, is, is equal. Um, and 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 there are equal rights for all, and this is this is this is our story, and pretty much our relationship to slavery, uh, current manifestations, um, and believe me, there are still slaves, and slavery is still in the world. But for instance, another manifestation of slavery is sex slaves. You know, um, slavery when you go further back was anyone who had fallen upon hard times. You could have been. Um, the king of an empire, and you lost, you lost the war. Oh, let's take Troy, okay? You, you could be the king of Troy, and you lose the war, and the king is killed, and the soldiers are killed, and, and, and many of the men are decapitated or killed, either in battle or, or chased out or something along those lines. And, and what happens immediately when a country is, uh, when a civilization is conquered like that, but the women and the children are sold into slavery. Um, in uh, ancient Korea, for instance, if you fell on hard times, let's say you're a farmer and you went through droughts and you 
didn't have any money, you were then a slave. Let's say your family fell on hard times financially, or you were a criminal, for instance. Okay, the, the head of the family, let's say the head of the family is a criminal. The head of the family is punished, usually uh, killed back then. And the entire family was sold into slavery. It wasn't just the uh, wife and the kids, but all the uncles and the aunts and the uh, relatives could be sold into slavery. So, so slavery really uh, shows up in so many different manifestations. But what it comes back to is this idea of ruination, of um, having been conquered, of uh, having, having lost a war or, or, or fallen into debt or fallen into hard times. And so you were enslaved. You, you, you became a slave to, to, to someone else. And Saturn was the patron planet, the protective planet of slaves. And finally, according to the first century Roman historian Tacitus, Saturn was the planet of the Jewish people. Uh, and, and part of that was because the Jews had had this history in their Bible of slavery, but that's not really what Tacitus was, was focusing on. What Tacitus was focusing on and why Tacitus said, uh, you have to remember to, that to the Romans, you know, Saturn's a god, Jupiter's a god, Venus is a god, a, a, a goddess. Um, don't forget that. Venus is always a goddess. Okay, so these were these were deities. Okay, so for Tacitus, it was perfectly natural to assign a planet. You know, um, astrology was practiced in Rome. Astrology wasn't connected to the ritual worship of gods in Rome, but the planets were named after the Roman gods, and and astrology was an art form in the Roman Empire, although it was not connected to the worship of the gods whatsoever. But so Tacitus. You know, being familiar with astrology and, and, and his Roman culture, he's a Roman historian, okay, said that Saturn was the planet of the Jewish people. And the reason why he said Saturn was the planet of the Jewish people is because they rest every seventh day. Hmm? And um, on that seventh day that the Jewish people celebrated Sabbath, it was celebrated on Saturday, which in Roman vernacular was Saturn's day. Okay, so not only did the Jews stop working and rest on every seventh day to honor that on the seventh day in Genesis, God rests from his labors of creation, um, but, but the Romans were like, okay, they rest every seventh day, and Saturday is Saturn's day, and Saturday is the seventh day of the week. So the number seven becomes very um, much associated with both Saturn and the Jewish people at least of course, according to Tacitus. So Tacitus said that Saturn was the planet of the Jewish people because they rest every seventh day and let the earth lie fallow every seventh year, okay, uh, in honor of Saturn. Uh, and, and in honor of Saturn, who, according to Tacitus and the Roman view of Saturn, was the seventh and the highest of the heavenly bodies. A uh, quick note of explanation here. Tacitus knew full well that Saturn was not a god that was worshipped by the Jewish people, that the Jewish people worshipped one god, uh, which Tacitus found peculiar and odd and strange. Um, why go with one when you can have so many? <laughs> and, um, you know, like, the world was a little bit more enriched than that, than, than this one god. Um, but what Tacitus, you know, was, was saying is that although 
they don't worship the god Saturn. The planet Saturn rules. It is the patron planet of the Jewish people. And uh, of course, when you look at Jewish history and all of the things that have gone on and still go on, it's not hard to recognize the Saturnian flavor or the Saturnian color in their story. So Saturn is the planet of tests in astrology. And Saturn tests, but Saturn is a teacher and not a tyrant. Saturn is a builder and not a destroyer. So Saturn is a teacher, not a tyrant. Okay. You don't know what you know unless you are tested in life. Okay, let's take it out of the schoolroom for a moment, right? Uh, where it's like, what was the date of the um, Constitution signing again? Bob? Okay, let's, let's take it out of the, the, the schoolroom here and um, let's apply it to life. We don't really know how much we know unless we're faced with a test, okay? And it can be sort of like, the car broke down. <laughs> I don't know how to deal with this. Um, let me call, you know, uh, 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 what, triple A or something like that. Okay. Or, or it might be like the car is broken down and I know exactly what to do. Okay. So we don't know what we know unless we're faced with a test. But tests are a bit more than that. Tests throw us back on ourselves, you know. And remember, Saturn is a planet of limitations, reaching the limit, reaching a boundary. Um, tests throw us back upon our selves we we ask ourselves can we do this you know and 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 some of us might go through a mental file and say like oh i know how to change a tire and other of us might be like triple a but um that's part of the questioning but the other part of the question is like do i have the resourcefulness do i have the ability do i have the ingenuity does this matter to me you know we're thrown back upon ourselves when we face a test and um, the test isn't there to show that we're inept, okay? The test is there, you know, to say, you can't cross this boundary unless you know how to, okay? And so this is, this is what the test is. So Saturn isn't just giving us, you know, midterm exams, you know, every three months or whatever have you. Saturn is, is testing us to teach you know, and a lot of times when we're being taught, we can feel a great deal of anxiety. Okay. And Saturn, one of the beautiful things about Saturn, and I often say about the modern planets, but I'm going to apply it to Saturn as well, is that it's a slow moving planet. This isn't going to be the only time that you take this test. You know, uh, John F. Kennedy Jr., I think, took the bar four times before he finally passed, right? <laughs> okay. So, so. You know, with Saturn, it's like, you will be tested again. You can take this test again. You could take as long as it takes for you to pass. And that's something to keep in mind with Saturn and the tests that we, that we find in life. Um, but a good teacher will repeat. A good teacher will show, will not yield and make it easy for you. But a good teacher will also not make it impossible for you either. A good teacher will get you to repeat so that you understand. A good teacher will try to figure out what you weren't getting and, 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 and bring that information around to you again. This is what Saturn does. It teaches. Um, Saturn is a builder, not a destroyer. Saturn isn't interested in just, you know, uh, 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 throwing everything into ruin, you know. Um, 
yeah, Saturn is associated with ruination, but that ruination is associated to time. Time passes, you know, and that ruination may be associated to the people who lived in that society and the choices that they made. But that's for another time. So, um, so Saturn is not a, a destroyer, although, you know, time, that image of uh, that idea that time swallows its children, everyone born into this world will grow old and die, you know, so in that way, Saturn's a destroyer. But there's a little thing called a life that you have, that you have between birth and death, you know, however long and however uh, wonderful or challenging that life may be, that life is something that belongs to you. And so um, Saturn, if you're going to live in time, and we all live in time, is actually really about building uh, those, those impulses of Saturn, um, teaching how to farm, teaching how to herd, teaching how to build great cities and civilizations and to discover these are the attributes of Saturn, but it's not handed to you on a platter. It doesn't come easy. You have to apply yourself. You have to work for it. Um, but often, and this is how Saturn will act in our charts and in our transits and in our lives, often in order to build, you have to level everything back down to the ground again and clear out the dead wood. That always seemed to me like a bit of an elusive metaphor, like, you know, you have to clear everything down to the ground and clear out the dead wood. Okay, I guess, you know. Um until I lived in New York City for 28 years. <laughs> and then I was like, oh, now I see it. Okay, so, you know, when, when, when you live in Manhattan um, and, uh, and, and a building is going to be replaced, they're going to build a new building, they don't demolish it. You know, you can't take out your sticks of dynamite and say like, okay, you know, or, or do whatever. I have no idea how they demolish buildings these days, but you can't just like demolish it, you know, it's, 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 or blow it up. Uh, with because it'll take out the buildings that are next to it. I mean, Manhattan is a very compact, you know, like like packed in uh, uh, city. All right. So what you would actually see them do is deconstruct. You know, they would put up the scaffolding, you know, and they would deconstruct this building down down to its uh, uh, foundations and begin to build again. You know, a lot of times when people talk about a Saturn retrograde. Um, you know, uh, the word reflection, review will be used. Actually, reflection and review is used a lot with retrogrades. But anyway, it's, it, it seems to come up a lot with Saturn. And that's true. But, but I like to think of a Saturn retrograde as um, the scaffolding that goes up around those buildings that they have to take down. Okay. And that could almost be the retrograde. They, they have to deconstruct or take down this building. And then when Saturn comes out of retrograde, they start building and the scaffolding is there. It holds the shape. It holds the space. It's like scaffolding Scaffolding holds the shape and it holds the space to take something down and to build something up. And they're not building back up because this is a whole new building. It might have been, I don't know, a department store and now it's going to be something else, uh, condominiums. New York, it's always kind of names, but anyways, something like that. And so they're going to build back up while that scaffolding holds the space. And that's that's an image that I would share with you of, of a Saturn retrograde and a Saturn turning direct. Maybe even the Saturn retrograde itself is about holding that space while the process of, of and then the process is, maybe that's the, what I want to communicate about the Saturn retrograde. So, um, So it's not 
wiping out like Uranus. <laughs> okay, it's not Uranus comes into your sign or transits in your life and it kicks over the game board and suddens all the pieces fly. No, that's not going on, you know, with Saturn. And it's not flooding <laughs> like 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 Neptune. <laughs> you know, it's not like, you know, uh rains from the heavens and the water that's been soaked in the earth, you know, coming back up, you know, water levels rising and 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 just flooding. It's not flooding uh your life like Neptune and 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 Pluto it's not throwing everything into the underworld or releasing the underworld into your life you know like what can happen with Pluto Saturn holds that space you know because Saturn from the beginning after his overthrow was a great concern for humankind and 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 really a great concern for humankind living in time so so here we have um you know Saturn the overthrown god Saturn who's really a god that understands failure and loss that's written into his myth it's written into his history and it's out of that failure and loss that instead of teaching you to you know deny your failure and loss and just focus on the triumph Saturn brings an understanding of failure and loss and Saturn uses failure and loss as a teaching device, right? A story that I always felt paralleled Saturn's story. Saturn's never evoked, you know, or, or, or Saturn's never invoked, shall I say, in the Old Testament. Um, but there is a wonderful Saturnian story, or parallel to the story of Saturn in the Old Testament, and it is the simple story of Adam and Eve, and we all know it, you know, God creates the world in, in, in six days, rests on the seventh. Uh, somewhere in all of that creativity, um, uh, Adam is, uh, is created in the image of God, and from Adam is created a helper, you know, a companion, Eve. And they are placed in a garden, which is full of abundance, right? It's anything that they should want, they can have in this wonderful garden. And they, and they, and Adam lords over the animals, not in an awful way. Um, he lords over the animals because Adam can name each of the animals and each of the animals or creatures in the garden is, is named. Um, as a quick aside, I didn't even know this until the other day when I came across it, kind of like as a footnote, but did you know that humankind were uh, humanity, Adam and Eve, and, and, and the people who are, uh, are born of Adam and Eve, at this point in the story of, you, of humanity, they are vegetarians. I didn't know this before. Technically, according to uh, the book of Genesis, humankind doesn't eat meat until after Noah. Okay. Before Noah, humanity is vegetarian. So I always thought that that was like really fascinating. I don't really quite know how that goes with the sacrifice of the goat with the story of Cain and Abel. But anyway, that's what they said in this footnote. Just sharing it with you. All right. So, well, you can sacrifice an animal and not eat it, right? And maybe animals were raised for sacrifice. But but humanity was vegetarian until after uh, Noah's Ark. So in any case, we have, you know, Eve is 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 tempted, you know, by the snake or or really invited. Uh, was evilly tempted. She's invited by the snake to come and uh, bite out of the apple or the fruit of knowledge. And they've been told, don't go anywhere near the fruit of knowledge. And, and Eve does. And she shares with Adam, who's right there, and he eats it too. And 
And they're both like, hmm, pretty good. You know, it's like, oh my God, we're naked, you know, and, and they see their nudity and they run for fig leaves or something to cover their genitalia. And, you know, there's, there's all of this panic because God comes back asking for them and they're ashamed and they're hiding and, and, you know, the truth comes out. And we know the rest of the story. They're banished from Eden and thrown into the rest of the world and they can never come back to Eden because there is a wall of fire or an angel armed with a sword of fire and they can never come back. So Eden isn't destroyed or, or removed, it's lost, or, or Eden then becomes forbidden, as kind of as forbidden as the fruit that was originally consumed. Um, I'm not going to get into it, but, you know, who sets, up a, who sets up two people for failure, you know, which I think is kind of a way you can read uh, the story of Adam and Eve in the book of Genesis, you know, you can go everywhere but this one tree, you know, and then there's like this snake that no one knew about who's like, come and eat, you know, I mean, you're really setting someone up for failure here. But nevertheless, it's a test, okay, that the creation story begins with a test, which is fascinating, or, or the story of Adam and Eve begins with a test, which is fascinating, because if everything's kosher, or if everything's all right, why would you have to test Adam and Eve? Why not just let them you know, live in eternal bliss. So, um, so that's always stayed with me, I think, since grade school is like, hmm, you know, but it's Saturnian because you have this idea of a fall. You have this idea of the failure. Um, you know, everyone's into, uh, everyone's, uh, uh, focus of course is on the shame and the guilt of Adam and Eve and even the anger of Adam and Eve. Like, like, you know, couldn't you, you know, have like stayed away from that tree? You made us all live in a world where we, you know, live and die and, and, and all these horrible things. And it wouldn't have happened if not for Adam and Eve. But that was set from the get-go. I mean, again, it begs the question, who sets up a test if everything was supposed to stay in this Garden of Eden? What I really, though, want to emphasize in the Adam and Eve story you know, we, we know that what follows is they beget lots of children and the first two, one kills the other and all these sorts of things. But, you know, try to imagine, if you will, let's say you're Adam, let's say you're Eve, let's say you're both Adam and Eve. Why not be both of them? Um, and it's you you step out of this garden, this this paradise, this garden, and into a world that you barely knew the garden. And so you really don't know this world that you're stepping out into. And you've gotten this punishment. You know, you're told, you know, if you're Adam, you're told you're going to toil. And if you're Eve, you're told you're going to have children and, and be in horrible pain and, and, and even die in childbirth. You're actually wrapping your head around the notion of dying, uh, which wasn't an option before or it wasn't even on the table before. And here you are. And it just, I, I, I find it fascinating. I mean, Adam and Eve don't sit down outside the flaming wall or, or, or this, 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 there's now flames or they're not allowed to go back into Eden. They don't sit down there and bemoan their misfortune. Well, I mean, I'm sure there were a few days and weeks when they did, <laughs> you know, but I mean, they're human at this point. But they don't sit down outside the, the wall of Eden and give up. You know? They don't. They've been loaded with punishments. Punishments based on a rule that they barely understood and why and 
huh? You know, and 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 so here they are abandoned in a world where they're going to die, where there's going to be pestilence, there's going to be death, there's going to be war, there's going to be famine. And these marvelous creatures who are now humans, made in the image of God, could have just given up and said, that's it. It's something that I want you to keep in mind. Pisces is the last sign of the zodiac. It's the last sign of the zodiac because it's the last sign of the agricultural year. The zodiac is based on the agricultural year. That's why Aries leaves in the spring equinox and the 12 signs end with the 12th, the last one, which is Pisces. And Pisces is technically the zodiac sign of endings. Pisces is also, I mean, we know Pisces is unconditional love and maybe self-sabotage and compassion and empathy and pity and pain and suffering and all these sorts of things. But Pisces is also a zodiac sign that's very much associated to the apocalypse. Hmm? That was heavy. <laughs> okay, Christopher, where are we going to be with this? No, but Pisces is associated to the apocalypse. And the apocalypse, the ending of the world, uh, these were basically apocalypses back in the day. There were a dime a dozen. There were like a bazillion apocalypses, okay? Uh, because essentially the apocalypse or apocalypses were the revenge fantasies of slaves, okay? This is where people could imagine the overthrow of this oppressive king, you know? The, the, the end of this unyielding master, you know, that, that, that the world was going to be judged and all of these people who made all of this money and, and oppressed me and, and everyone I know and love in my life who, who imprisoned us or killed us, all of them are going to get their end because God is coming back, okay? At some point it was a Messiah, at some point it was... Uh, Jesus uh, in, uh, with Christianity going to come back, you know, and 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 what one of the things that made Judaism different from the other deities was that in Judaism, God was a god of time. Okay, time starts with the banishment of Adam and Eve. Well, time starts technically with the creation of the world. It's created in seven days, six days, the seventh to sleep on. Um, and then there's the banishment of Adam and Eve. This is people living in time. The Garden of Eden was outside time. These are people living in time. And living in time is to toil, is to be tested, is to, to fight, to not fight, to give up, to despair, to be full of fear and anxiety, and to get up and go about it again. Okay. But here, you know, with Pisces and the idea of, of apocalypses was the return of, um, you know, I, either it's the appearance of Messiah uh, signaling the end of time or the return of the Christian version, uh, which was going to bring about this battle and signal the end of time. And then, you know, there would be people who lived in eternity and people who didn't. Okay, so so this this God that's talked about is a God of time. And you can see, you can hear the resonances to Saturn here. and so. You know, this this apocalyptic fantasy, it's not something that just, oh, that's what they, you know, did back in the day. I mean, apocalyptic fantasies are 
de rigueur nowadays. I mean, like everyone, uh, everyone seems to be coming to the table with an apocalyptic fantasy. Like, you know, um, you know, the world's going to end like this. It's going to end like that. You know, it's going to be climate change. It's going to be uh, the rapture. It's going to be a great battle that's going to be fought. I mean, they're all really dreary and 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 dreadful and and honestly, in my opinion, horrible and unfeeling scenarios and really quite unnecessary. Um, but this can get released when you have a planet like Saturn um moving forward again in Pisces. Uh it's 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 actually it can be released with Neptune going forward in Pisces, but uh but but you know, these 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 heavy duty planets, for lack of a better way of putting it, moving forward in Pisces can really stir up or bring about um, these 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 fantasies. And um, what what is important to remember at a time like this is that there will always be promises of salvation. You know, if you 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 live a good life, you'll be saved. There will always be promises of salvation. If you, you know, bomb and defeat your enemy, um, and if you die in the bombing and the defeat of your enemy, you will be saved. Your 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 soul will will be spirited to a paradise. You know, there there are all these fantasies uh, uh, with salvation being caught up in the end of 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 things, almost like mankind or humankind, really, I should say, almost like humankind uh, cannot do anything to save itself. And with the discovery of the atom bomb and nuclear warfare and things like that, humankind seems pretty intent on destroying itself, you know. I mean, there's a very pessimistic spirit in 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 humanity. Um but this is the lesson of Saturn moving direct in Pisces. Saturn. Let's go back and meet Saturn again in Saturn's mythology after he's been overthrown and humiliated by 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 Jupiter but Jupiter realizes he can't kill Saturn not out of any great respect but because he's you know a deity you can't kill a deity so it's like what do you do with the old guy you know and and, and a question that's often asked by younger generations what do you do with the old people who are like gumming up the works or won't move on or have become burdens these are all Saturnian these are all things that fall under the patronage, the protection of Saturn. But Saturn could have said, I've been overthrown or whatever, and that's it. You know, I'm retiring to Florida. You know, that, I'm not going to teach people how to do agriculture or to make something of themselves. I mean, forget it. No, that's it. Adam and Eve, where would the story have gone if Adam and Eve had stepped outside paradise, looked at each other and said, oh my God, forget it, and just like sat there and starved themselves and died? Where would the story have gone? These Saturnian characters are not particularly heroic. They don't fight great battles. They go don't go on tremendous quests. Uh, they don't recite mantras. They don't envision things. They don't go on TED Talks. You know, the, nothing like this, okay? Because they're human, right? They're, they're, they're the basic human. Human, like you and me, human, not 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 influencer or superstar or whatever. You know, human. You know, which is what Saturn stands for. And so the great question is: Okay, Saturn could have thrown up his hands and said, "I give out." Adam and Eve could have thrown up their hands and said, "I give out." We can all 
we all at different times of our lives want to throw up our hands and, and say, I give up. I mean, you know, there's a certain point we we maybe looked at it in our teen years or or our midlife or our later years in which it's like, what's the point? You know, you're born into the world and you die. So like, what's the point? You know, and, and, and I, I need a vision. I need a mission. I need someone to tell me what to do. What's the point? Saturn challenges each one of us, you know, but not a challenge like, hey, you know, Saturn challenges like, let's try this test again. Okay. Um, let's, let's, let's try this lesson again. Saturn challenges, tests us, every single one of us, to make something of ourselves in this world. This, this fallen world, this world cut off from the deity, this world where people are born into it who just can't help themselves. They look for new ways to destroy it. Like, let's do nuclear bombs or let's do AI and really mess up with people's heads. You know, I mean, they just seem to be like hellbent, all right? Or, or let's, you know, climate ruin the planet. You know, I mean, there just seems to be this virus in the, or this spirit in humanity that's hellbent on destroying it. But there's another part of humanity which knows how rough and tough the world is. There's another part of each of our corners of humanity that, that reside within the house of our bodies that knows that we're going to lose the battle of life, you know, that we're going to grow frail or, or we may be defeated. But this world is something we've been given to make something of it. Okay. And, and, and maybe it's based on getting back to the Garden of Eden. Who knows? You know, or maybe the Garden of Eden planted a template in each of our minds and souls and creativity. Or maybe our creativity springs from witnessing one another in life, being with one another in life. Maybe creativity comes from our ecstasies and our sorrows, something embodied in Saturn who can be the planet of sorrow, but is also the planet that rules over the seventh heaven. Maybe these are the things that lead us to understand the planet, our civilization, one another. And maybe it's not about the people in the high places. Maybe it's about the regular person, the Saturn person. Maybe it's not about giving it, giving it back Let's have an apocalypse. Let's blow everything to hell, you know, and, 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 and the good will be saved. You know, well, that's kind of like a no-brainer because everyone's been blown to hell. So no one knows if the good or the bad have been saved. It's silly, right? But Saturn says, pick up the shovel, pick up the pen, pick up the tool, pick up the child, pick up the person who has stumbled. Pick up yourself and try. Try again, because there is no exercise in futility if your mission in life is to make the world a better place. Something to think about as Saturn continues with its journey through the zodiac sign of Pisces when it comes out of retrograde on November fourth. 
the entirety of our known universe from the subatomic microcosmic level to the galactic macrocosmic level is all built upon the blueprint of sacred geometry. Everything in the cosmos is made up of the sacred geometrical laws that bring reality into existence. You know, traditionally, we astrologers look at these patterns through a 12-fold system based on 12 signs of the zodiac. However, dividing a cycle by 12 is not the only way that nature works. It's just a very convenient way for us to mathematically divide a circle by two, three, four, or six, which, of course, creates the traditional aspects all astrologers know well. Unfortunately, this patriarchal bias prompts us to miss a lot of the action. When we divide a circle by the magical five, or the otherworldly division by the number seven, or even the motivational number eight, in order to widen our astrological thinking so, so we can make invisible worlds visible, we're going to look at quintiles, the division by five, septiles, the division by seven, octiles called semi-squares and sesquisquares, that's the division by eight, and even more. Hey all, this is Rick Levine, and I'm excited to be announcing my latest course, Unlocking the Magic of Harmonic Aspects. This, as some of you know, is one of my favorite astrological topics, and I'm quite pleased to be teaching this uh, on the Astrology Hub. Although the course actually includes a one-hour introductory video that's a crash course in harmonic aspects for anyone unfamiliar with them, it's also a refresher for those who have already studied some of these aspects. But the course is not a course on theory. It's a hands-on practical application of harmonic aspects for natal chart interpretation. I'm going to be reading four charts per class in four two-hour live Zoom webinars, meaning that 16 lucky students will be chosen in advance and will be brought on screen to have me analyze to unfold their harmonic aspects, revealing things about charts that maybe these people have never had put into words in an astrological session. So I invite you to come along on a mind-expanding ride and take a next step into your astrological studies. More information, details on the curriculum, and registration is available at astrologyhub.com slash harmonics. I'm Rick Levine. See you online. I hope you enjoyed this week's episode of Horoscope Highlights. Please don't forget to comment, like, and subscribe. Your support means a lot. See you next week. This podcast is presented by Astrology Hub. You can learn more and find all of our shows at astrologyhub.com slash podcast. If you enjoyed this episode, please rate, review, and hit subscribe on your favorite podcast platform so you can stay up to date on the latest episodes and help more people find the wisdom of astrology. Thank you for taking the time to do this now. Thank you for being a part of our community and for making astrology a part of your life.